Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris W. along with my co-host Chris S. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Green Eggs and West Ham. The Hammers have had a quite a busy transfer window with only one transfer being sealed so far, and it's almost the uh, transfer window is almost done. With so many players linked to us, it can be really hard to assess what's accurate and misleading. And there's been a lot of confusion out there we've seen on social media, um, as well as uh, just reports that seem to be new every day, and then the next day they're false. So we've attempted to sort through some of that confusion and hope to iron things out uh, with the pun intended there. Uh, first, there's been quite a buzz about recent takeover news for the club. Chris, with so many bit different bidding reports, what can you make of it and what's the current status? Yeah, well, there's been tons of rumors over the last probably year or so about a potential for the, the Davids to sell West Ham. And there is actually um, the kind of the most concrete offer made uh, for them, at, at least it appears. So Pi Capital Limited made an offer reportedly of 400 million pounds. Um, there's been some dispute about the particulars of this offer, um, with Sullivan saying that, that there, there was, you know, maybe this offer, but that, that, that the company did not have proof of funds. Basically there was, there was no evidence that they actually had the money that they were offering. Um, but the, one of the partners of this company, Philip Beard has come out, released a statement saying, no, in fact, they did have. Um, this this proof of funds provided to to the Davids, uh, but and they're still interested in buying. Um, so there's been kind of a lot of confusion around this. Um, Ex WHU employees reported things that about you know that there was a going to be a bid incoming several months ago. Um, and on his most recent podcast, they talked about um, a little bit surrounding this, but there, there's still kind of confusion of, among some of the West Ham fans about this. So I I, I actually did a little digging into um, who Pi Capital is. Uh, and some of the different names associated with them. So first of all, there, there's this some, kind of going around on Twitter that this is actually Pi Partners, which is an investment firm for, based out of France. That's not true. So Pi, Par, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Oh, th- this company is worth 14 billion pounds. No, that's that's not Pi Capital. That's Pi Partners. Um, similar name. I, I see where the, the mistake is happening, but it's a completely separate company. So this Pi Capital company was, was only a founded... Uh, really, a few months ago, or, or about around a year ago, uh, and they're 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 owned by a man named Paul Allen John Mills. Um, Philip Beard is is kind of one of the the partners, so he's involved in like the administration of of the company. But the main shareholder is is this guy Paul Mills, um, and and there's not a lot on him. The website talks about his experience in banking, um, him being a uh, you know a manager at another investment company that manages about 200 million in assets. Um, but really nothing about any of the people mentioned on the Pi Capital website or in their uh, required filings to the, to the UK company's house uh, gives much information about who they are. That It does not seem that any of these people are, are the actual money behind a $400 million bid. So Paul Allen Mills might own, you know, the Pi Capital, but, but if there was this $400 million bid, it seems to be maybe that they were just kind of the facilitators. There's been talk of maybe uh, 
someone that owns an NFL team uh, being involved in, in this in some way. So that might be where most of the money is coming from. Let me just hop in here and give some context. So um, based on a Forbes report, just because when I think of a takeover, I have no idea how much money is involved. So um, right now, Forbes is reporting that West Ham has a team value of around $508 million. So you talked about that $400 million or pound, million 400 pound. million pounds, yeah. yeah, which would be about, <clears throat> yeah, somewhere between five and, and $600 million. Right, as an offer. So uh, that just kind of gives you, that's kind of the, the type of money we're talking. So, all right, please continue. Yeah. And so the company, the other company that this guy manages doesn't have half that in, in assets. And that's not even what he owns. Um, so it's unlikely that that this would be the the owner. Maybe this, maybe this Pi Capital company is um, you know, kind of the the front company for um another uh, another group of investors, um, which is possible. It's not saying like and I'm not trying to say that this bid was false or anything. It's just there's a lot unknown about who's really trying to purchase West Ham from the information we have. We had people like Thomas Skinner, who, who's a big, somewhat famous West Ham fan, said kind of, oh, that he's been in contact with this Pi Capital and that um, that this is a legit offer. That that's Sullivan, David Sullivan's been a little bit less uh a little bit confrontational that that this really wasn't a real offer, but it's tough to tell because, you know, there's, there've been other things that the Sullivan's have said that we don't necessarily, you know, that, that we find out aren't necessarily true. Um, but that, and, but, but there does seem to be in my estimation, a, a, some sort of a real offer. I just don't know who's really behind it. X seems to be saying there is some sort of real offer. There's other sources that do, um, you know, there's no telling if, uh, any actual, you know, eventual offer will get accepted. So kind of where, where we're at now, I, I thought it'd just kind of be fun to talk about. We don't know if West Ham will get sold, but Chris, do you want West Ham to be sold? And what do you think would be kind of the benefits and downsides to, to the, to the Sullivan and gold stepping away from the club? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, I think you need to consider a few things before you get all excited about a transfer because I mean, I uh, take over because you can have bids all day long. And we had last summer, there's been some talks about it too. This one, it does seem like it's a little bit more credible than, uh, than just, uh, you know, someone reporting it. It's been a few different sources, but think about where we ended in the league and Europa, Europa league. I mean, it either from that perspective, either you, uh, you know, I don't know what the right answer is, but you either want to hold on to the club and hope it keeps increasing in value, or this is the best we've I think ever done in history. So, to me, you know, it might be a pretty good business decision to sell up now when, when the club value is pretty high. Um, another thing, though, is the stadium restriction that, that's there till 2023. And so I, I know the, the London Stadium, the Sullivan's and, uh, and GSB in, in general has contracted with the stadium that it will continue to, um, I, I guess the West Ham will play at the stadium until 2023 at least. And then uh, there would be a massive fee that would be paid if the club was sold within that time. Is that how you understand it? Yeah. So the club has, has the 90 year lease. So they're, they're going to be playing at the stadium yeah. for a long time, but yeah, part of that, part of that deal um, with the stadium owners was that Sullivan couldn't sell the club before 2023 without paying like a penalty basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that penalty is, I guess significant enough to deter selling. Um, so that could prevent him from selling or maybe it, you know, 
it would at least just raise the selling price. Right. Maybe um, it's part of the contract that yeah, they would also that, cover that. that the new buyers would, would pay it. So it just increased the price yeah. basically, which would make it less likely that it would be sold. However, yeah. there's, there's been a lot of talk because the, the, this, the council that owns the, the government agency that owns the stadium loses, loses a ton of money on it every year um, that, that, that the council might just transfer ownership of the stadium to West Ham. Um, and that has, you know, that's, can be can be good can be bad you know on the good side west ham get this very valuable asset uh, of the london stadium but you know if if the government that's running it is losing all this money off of the stadium maybe it's not a a good thing because maybe then then west ham just kind of gets on uh has to foot the bill for um and if they can't run it better which it's possible because a lot of you know, maybe some of the losses are more tied to some of the other kind of track and field sporting events that are held there, not really to the, the football aspect of the club. So so it's possible, I guess, if if the stadium was transferred over to West Ham, I would imagine that restriction gets removed. Yes. OK. Yeah, that, I think that's pretty good analysis. And so that is one thing that's a, a big, I would say, stopper to uh, to selling the club before 2023. Um other things I, from a fan perspective, I think most people, I would argue 90%, uh, just from what I've seen, are in favor of selling the club. I think we've talked about it in, you know, ad nauseum in uh, before previous podcasts where we, we've we looked at the transfer, the uh, financial data, and we're kind of surprised that the club hasn't spent more money. Um, now, they did have that big Hilaire transfer, and, you know, maybe we're still recovering from that, but maybe there's some stuff we can't really see that's not publicly released. But um but for the most part, we think that the club is in okay financial status. Um, and Forbes actually is saying, um, just from that previous reference that I had, uh, that it, it is just over a ten million dollar, uh, ten million pound deficit. Yeah, uh, well, which is significant. So, I mean, significant. They they post on their most recent financials. They did post an operating loss. Now that that's not particular. I mean, that's not necessarily the cash flow, but it's the you know all told everything was a loss. Um, but that's, that can be expected in the club COVID. can be increasing in value mm-hmm. and the club run a loss at the same time. It's, it's, it's really kind of strange phenomenon surrounding these sporting teams, but because there are a limited number of sporting teams and, and basically the value of the Premier League as a whole is growing so much um, in the short term, you can be having losses, but the value go up. Uh, it's, I think the bigger issue is I'm not sure how much, how liquid David Sullivan is, how much, how much cash he has to really fund things like transfers. Now we saw that the areola transfer was, was kind of a loan with an option to buy kind of delaying the amount that we would have to pay for the most part. Um, West Ham has taken out several loans with kind of mortgaging the the training facilities uh, to, to get short-term loans kind of year after year. Um, so that it's just possible that, um, you know, Sullivan and, and Gold have wealth, but they don't necessarily have cash. And that can kind of be some of the reason we're not seeing a lot of transfers. Yeah. And do you have any other uh, amplifying information in terms of why the club maybe wouldn't want to sell? Or do you think it would, in your opinion, um, I think you agree that it would be good for the club to sell overall for, for fans, but for, for fans, I, I'm no fan of, of golden Sullivan. I think they're, I think they care about the club, but I also think they 
aren't skilled at running a football club. They've shown that time and time again, um, different negotiating tactics, um, some staff hirings being cheap on some transfers that end up, you know, not, not buying who the manager wants and then it not turning out well, but then also, you know, they, they have in the recent years have put some money behind it, you know, funding the Hilaire transfer funding, the Anderson transfer, both of those kind of failed. Um, so they have put money in. So I think they do care. My, so I'm not a fan of them, but my biggest concern is I don't know who is actually bidding. If I know who is bidding, I, I could be more clear. Um, if, if I think I, if they think that I would, they would be good owners. In my opinion, even with just the unknowns, I think I would prefer the club to sell. I the, the relationship between the fan base and the owners is broken at this point. Even you know, I'll give them credit. You know, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna give them the blame for for a lot of the bad, you got to give them credit. You know, we did finish extremely high, uh, the, in one of our highest league positions ever last year. We're gonna go to Europa. They got you know they they've hired Moyes who who seems to be the the man to take us forward. Uncertain if they're gonna if if they've given him the funds or not. Um, but I, I, I think overall it would still be better if, if, a, if a group comes in that has the money to buy the club, then they'll have enough money to fund it and really help West Ham push to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so you talked about giving money to Moyes for transfers in your opinion, and we're not super connected to the club at all, but do you think that GSB is the one that's making the, the ultimate uh, transfer decisions or do you think they're taking the power out of Moise's hands, or do you think Moise is the one that's actually directing? And then the club, the uh, owners just kind of say, Hey, here's the money. You know, I think Moise is the one directing the targets, which has been, which is a big improvement on Pat the past where, where it seemed like Sullivan was, was picking a lot of the targets, uh, you know, pre Moise. Um, I still think that, you know, Sullivan's probably the one negotiating the transfer itself. Like Moise might give him a list of targets, but it's tough to tell how much money Moyes really has. Cause there's been some comments and reports saying, well, you know, we had, Oh, 40, 50 million plus sales, but then there's been some reports that we have nothing. And, you know, all we can do is basically loan players at this point. And there hasn't been enough evidence to show us one way or the other, you know, it could be that Moyes has the money and he's just taking his time. And that's why we're not seeing all these, you know, many signings. Or it could be he doesn't have the money and or he hasn't been given the money and just can't get anyone in because of it. Yeah, and I think I agree. Uh, it, it looks like Moyes is directing the transfers, but the the one with the final hammer would be the owners. And, you know, there's other clubs and other sports teams in general where it's one way or the other. This one, um, it does seem more balanced under our current condition, but uh, for a while there, and especially some transfers, uh, it just seemed like it was, you know, only GSB making him. But anyways. Well, and, and it's it's that strategy. So over the, the moist term, it has both helped and hurt us in the sense of we, in the summer, we had some great signings. Took took till the very end, but we had some great signings. Ben Rama made Suchik permanent. Even going back to last January, got Bowen. Um, and, you know, Sufal. Those have all been successes. But also if you look till last January where we sold Hilaire and didn't replace him with anyone, that 
potentially, you know, really could have cost us Champions League. Um, and we were somewhat lucky for it not to cost us Europa League. So, okay. so let's let's kind of get into that. The transfers. Um, we've got some targets. We definitely want to get to those targets, but I, I want to focus on that striker thing, and that's why I want to jump to the transfers now. We really we haven't run in a striker since um, Bowen, arguably, you know, and uh, and then we let Hilaire go. Now uh, we've lost some other players. So, uh, do you th- what positions would you say are, are the most important for us to bring in? And do you think we could survive, let's say, without a striker this season? Uh, the striker is definitely the most important position uh before you know going into the, this offseason it was the most important position it remains that i honestly think we need two strikers at this point um our only remaining striker is antonio he's extremely injury prone i don't think you can count on him for more than 20 games in a season and now that we have also the additional europa europa league games it's going to be more difficult um, Bowen can play there, but then now you're looking at a shortage on, on the wing, if that's the case. Uh, and, and, you know, I think you need a minimum of two two players. We we signed some young players. Net, Nevers, uh, as a youth player, came in this summer. Flex came in that, you know, both can seem to be either wingers, but also maybe can play as a striker. Odubeku looked like a decent player last year, but I don't – He's not really going to seem to get to get a, a run out there this year, so we, we need some proven players, uh, if not to replace Antonio, to to at least challenge him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I completely agree. I think striker is the one that has me extremely worried. Yeah. Um, we brought in a goalkeeper, which we'll get to. Very excited about that transfer. Arguably, you know, we could have gotten by without a goalkeeper this season. Uh, striker is one that we we cannot get by without yeah um and and another one too we've got a lot bunch of targets for our, our center back and i think that one's another one where we do need to bring in someone but you know i to me striker is just like a little bit above that because antonio is injury prone we've got yarmolenko who is okay in certain circumstances but he, he's not the europa league striker that we're gonna need yeah and he doesn't really play <laughs> he, he's too much of a downgrade from antonio in the in in pace and in the attributes that that Moyes likes to play with as a as a single striker, so he can fill in, but really it changes the entire team if he does. Now, so there actually, so, so I I think you and I both agree that striker was the the main position of need. There were two other positions that coming into the window I thought we were going to address, but after kind of watching some of the friendly action. I think we're we're more solid on than I expected, and that was fullback and center mid. Yes, center mid for sure. Yep. Center mid, I thought, you know, all, all we have is is Noble sitting behind Suchek and Rice. Um, but, man, Connor Coventry has been on fire in these friendlies. He looks like a real player, um, both in kind of more of a holding role or just more in a box-to-box role, someone that can, I think, fill in. And I, I don't know if I'd put him a – above Mark Noble in the, in, in the pecking order, but it's got to be a discussion there. Well, and so this is Mark Noble's last year, right? Um, yeah. We've got most one likely. more year, most likely, right? One more year, and then hopefully he does get a, a position within the club, but you have to be looking to the youth. And I, I was a little bit nervous about that position, but like you said, Coventry came in and he's been tearing it up. I mean, 
he has given me a lot more hope that, like you said, we do have more depth in the youth players than we thought. Um, I do want to see him get more time when there's going to be games where we're up by a few goals and I want to see, or, you know, perhaps it's just some sort of friendly or something, just give him some time to get him that experience because eventually we're going to turn to him now. Um, we don't know if that's due to injury or, you know, a transfer or something, but yeah. Yeah. Cause Suchik and Rice can't play every game, you know, both in their Premier League and Europa League. Uh, mm-hmm. And then kind of going back to fullback, I thought we needed cover, especially at the left backs. Um, but, but I've been very impressed by Ben Johnson. He's played both on the right and the left in this preseason. And at points has been, you know, in some of those friendlies where we split the team, you know, half the team was playing one, half the team was playing other. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't all the first teamers in the same team. He looked like one of our better players in, in that game or, you know, in, in his, uh, his match. And, you know, I've been impressed. I thought, you know, Cresswell and, and Max Waku, especially Max Waku still dealing with injury might not be enough to carry us through on the left back. But man, now that we have Johnson just continuing to improve, uh, I think we're pretty locked up there, at least for this season. Maybe in the future we want to get a, you know a true left back and, and make sure Johnson's future is at right back. But well, I agree. But if you think so, let's just go with uh, Sioux Fall as well. If Sioux Fall gets injured or something, you've got Fredericks, mm-hmm. which can play that. You've got Johnson, who can play right now or obviously left, and then Mazuwaku on the left. Um, so I do think we have enough depth to get through. Sure, I would love to bring in another player, but I think we need to prioritize other positions. Yeah. So uh, we started with Striker, and we'll get to that for the transfer targets. Who do we have lined up? Um, who is our most probable, and who do you actually think we're going to get for the Striker position? Because, like you said, that's uh, probably our number one. Yeah. The one we're most consistently – and this is not an exhaustive list, but the one we're most consistently linked with is Tammy Abraham of Chelsea. Um, he's, he's only 23 years old. He's young. Didn't get a lot of playing time last year at Chelsea, uh, but was somewhat effective when he did. He scored six goals in the league, one assist. You know, is, is a relatively tall striker, has decent pace, um, and, and seems to be a good technical finisher. You know, not real. I wouldn't say he's standout in any one category, but but just a relatively good all around player um, and young. Performed well when he was on loan in the Championship. I looks like we're still a little bit away from Chelsea's asking price on him, but he's the one we've pursued most vigorously. Yeah. And I do think uh, when you compare it, let's say Antonio goes and gets hurt, uh, who would be the better striker to come in with, you know, Tammy Abram coming in and would you see a huge gap in the team or would you see it with Yarmolenko? And I think right now the obvious answer is Yarmolenko would provide a massive gap in the team. Um, a, a massive hole where Antonio left. Whereas what I'm seeing from Tammy Abram in uh, the little I've seen of him is he's a young player. He's got a ton of potential and he looks like he would fill the Antonio role a lot better than what we currently have. So I, th- I think this is actually a pretty good yeah. striker. And he has, he's in his time as, as, as an England youth player and, and as kind of an, uh, just an England player going through the ranks with Declan Rice, he and Declan seem to have at least somewhat of a friendly relationship. That's always a bonus. Um, I think he will be a good player because he's, he's strong enough, he's big enough to play kind of that solo striker that Moyes likes to do. 
Uh, but then it could also be really interesting to see, you know, a two striker lineup with him and Antonio. I think he he's probably the the best overall striker that we could hope to sign. There's there's a couple more we've been linked to. Uh, obviously, we've we don't there's there seems to have been a strong pipeline this past year with Slavia Prague. We're looking at there was there's talk in January that we liked Abdullah Sima, uh, the kind of a winger striker combo. Really young kid, only 20 years old. Scored 11 goals in the in the Czech League. Um, really tall, extremely pacey player from the scouting report. Maybe not the most technically gifted, uh, but but a good runner. Barry seems to be very much in the Antonio mold of a very hardworking physical player. Can score goals. Maybe he's not the best. Maybe he's not the best um, clinical finisher. But you know he's only twenty years old. He can grow into something. You know he can grow into a you know a more complete striker. Uh, the price here, not really certain. Uh, it would be probably at least fifteen or twenty million, which is a lot for a, kind of an unproven player. But we've had success from the Czech League before. I'd be willing to kind of go in on that as well. Yeah, and the other one I saw a little bit was Holzek, um, but I don't think as of now we're we're close to signing him or, or anything. I think that's kind of dropped out. Um, there've been a few other strikers, but I, I would say those have been yeah, the most consistent. Yeah. I, I would really like if we were after Holzak. I just, I'm worried at this point is we haven't been linked to him over the last maybe few weeks. And it seems like his, his form at the end of the season kind of alerted more larger clubs. So I, I don't yes. know if he'd want to go to a West Ham at this point. Um, and another reason, another you know, positive for, for Abraham is that he seems to want to move to West Ham, or at least has expressed a little bit of, uh, you know, desire to, to make a, a move to West Ham. And so that you know, it's always good to see a, a player not just coming for a paycheck, but actually coming to to get playing time to prove himself uh, to join the squad. But if you think about it, I mean, he's a young player. He's not getting a ton of time at Chelsea, and Chelsea has a good team. Like, it's really, really tough to fit it you know, to work your way in there to number yeah. one starting or even playtime. So, I do think this would be a, a smart transfer on his part. Uh, a team that needs him, he will play. You know, I mean, especially if we're on it, like uh, Hilaire, we had a, a big transfer for him. So, I, I think this would be a really smart move for that player uh, for Abram, but. Yeah, we'll when they they obviously don't see him as their number one going forward. I mean, they're they have right. Werner ahead of him. They're trying to sign Holland from Dortmund. Like they're 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 doing everything they can to get a lock in number one striker, which is you know, if I were him, would be a pretty big signal that my future at this club is limited. Even if I stayed around this this year, like they don't see me as a as the long term player here. Uh, so, you know, if, if another opportunity like this came along, I think it's probably maybe the right time. Um, we've been linked to a couple more. A lot of media outlets have linked us to, to Martin Braithwaite, currently plays for Barcelona, but not really. I wouldn't classify him as a Barcelona caliber player. Kind of older, played. He played in the second division. He played in the championship uh, a couple years ago for, I believe, if it was Nottingham Forest or Middlesbrough, but just kind of been jumping around a lot, played for Toulouse in France, um, played somewhere else in Spain before moving to Barcelona. I'm not really sure. We've been linked to him before in years past. I don't really know 
maybe this has just been one that's kind of been drummed up again because we had been linked to him in years past, but I would be a little disappointed if we signed him. Just not a consistent goal scorer. Doesn't really um, tick the tick the boxes for me. And, he's and I old. think, yeah, I was going to say his age is the biggest concern for me because I want someone that can get in there and stay with us for a while, whereas he's got a few years and, and that's it, especially at striker. You know, I feel like pure center back, maybe or you can survive a little bit longer goalkeepers, you know, tend to get a little bit longer and the strikers, not, not the case. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to our uh, second, I would say most important position. And <clears throat> like you mentioned, it might've been center defensive mid at the start of this transfer window, but we've gotten a few, uh, some good results from Coventry, which is really, uh, I guess, easing of the tensions in terms of get, you know, getting a defensive mid, but the position I'm talking about is, is center back. I, I think we're actually really, really thin at center back. And especially now, so we let Balbuena, um, we didn't re-sign him. We, he, he's now off the team. We've got Diop and Baptiste. Uh, well, uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, I, I, and Doss. That, you, I guess you're talking about backups. Yeah, I'm talking about backups. Yeah, yeah. So Diop and, and Baptiste, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a, a big problem, I think. So who, what do we have, Chris? And uh, who do you think is the best? Yeah, I think center back's a, a big injury or a big worry, especially with how thin we are. Diop's been, you know, at times a really good player, but very inconsistent as a backup. We're a lot of, and even when Moyes likes to play that three back, we're going to definitely need more players. Um, there's been, you know, a, a relatively recent uh, rumor, but but one that has picked up a lot of steam really fast is another Chelsea player, Kurt Zuma. He's only he's 26. Very strong physical center back. Uh, played a decent amount for them, but, you know, it's not really in their, you know, not really their best defender, but but still a good, a very good player. Um, and he seems like Chelsea is trying to move on from him as well, trying to include him potentially in a, a swap deal with a French club when they're trying to bring in a, a bigger name player. Um, but he seems to be uh, wanting to stay in London. So, has, has expressed an interest in staying in London, kind of opening up a move to West Ham. To me, fits win with what, what Moyes wants in a center back, kind of a no-nonsense. We'll, we'll be able to be good in the air, defend headers, um, and, and still young enough at 26 that I, I think he could be a really solid player for years to come. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to add to that. I think he, and then we'll get to another guy that I think are going to be uh, my top two targets. I, I believe we will only sign one center back. Do you see us signing to this window? I don't think so. Between <clears throat> between the youth players we have available, uh, Alves, Baptiste, you know, I, I don't really see um, us spending more than – I think we will get one center back in. It seems to be an area of, of, of interest but I don't think we'll buy, we'll buy more than one. Um, so I, but I do think we, we, you know, we, we added Dawson last year. He was ve- been very solid. Ogbonna's kind of really reestablished himself over the last two seasons at West Ham had that little injury niggle. Not sure if he can, um, how ready to go he'll be by the beginning of the season, but yeah, I think we'll just get one. And <clears throat> so I want to talk about um, the next one here. Nikola Milinkovic. I hope I'm saying that last name right. But to me, I'm just going to come out and say he's my top transfer target. And he's young, just like Zuma. Um, but 
I've tried to look up some highlights of the of these players when we get linked to them, you know, and I don't I haven't really heard too much about some of these players. Um to me, he would fit a Zuma would as well. But to me, I've seen this from the highlights that I've seen. He goes there for headers. His when he gets behind, let's say he's behind a player and he, um, he has to catch up to defend them and he comes in for a side tackle or something, he's extremely smart with his side tackles, which I really like. Um, and then the only thing that I've only thing I've seen is sometimes the experience and the decision making, I guess, is the best way to classify it, which is kind of the same thing we're seeing with Diop. Um, sometimes in from what I can see on reports and things, he will get a little bit caught out of position when he goes up for, say, a corner or something. Doesn't really get back in time, likes to try to stay up there. What do you think of him? Do you think he would be a good uh, a good target? Or I think he would be. Yeah. I Between him and Zuma, it, it's kind of – I think Zuma might be a slightly better player now, obviously already proven in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But Milinkovic is three years younger than him, only 23 Looks like we could probably get him for for probably the same price or potentially even cheaper than, than Zuma. You know, his value had had originally been very high, but but kind of getting closer to the range of what we can afford. Um, and yeah, looks you know looks to be a really complete center back. Yep. Uh, can you know strong in his tackles, but also can can play the ball out just a little bit from the back. Not you know not a not a distributor by any means, but but at least someone that you know, is adept at, at keeping the ball and moving it along. And um, yeah, I'd be happy with either of these two, both, both young enough to, to be good players in the team for several years. And, and also I think either, if either one of these would, would be our, one of our starting center backs, uh, probably next to Ogbonna if he's healthy or, or, or Dawson, if, if not. So. Yeah, and I mean, our biggest problem with Dawson right now is just the, really the ball control. And sometimes he makes, like, we got that red card, or I guess, what was it, double yellow? Anyways, yeah, it's the uh, uh, really bad side tackle. So uh, his decision-making does worry me a little bit, but obviously he can score some goals. <laughs> well, and, and another thing, Zuma had five goals last year for Chelsea, <clears> so <throat> so himself not not a stranger to, to being a threat from that center-back spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd be happy with either of those. Those are obviously, uh, I think it's pretty clear my top two center back. Um, I, yeah, there's some other targets uh, that we can talk about. Uh, I worry about some other, some of these other targets just because of age. Um, some of them proven the Premier League a, a little bit. They're not necessarily starters. Uh, so what do you have for us, Chris? And uh, who are our last two targets that we're going to talk about? Yeah, so there's there's a couple we're looking at. We've been linked to Nat Phillips of Liverpool. I don't really know where these rumors came from. You know, the, it. Not sure. I guess he. I guess he's looking for a move away from Liverpool. Still not too old, but but really just not. Um, kind of came into the the first team picture because of injuries last year to Liverpool. Was a decent player. Like I'm sure he he'd get playing time at West Ham, but he just doesn't excite me near as much as the others. And then kind of the final one. Would kind of be would just be our, our budget signing if we're you know <laughs> ox ticking on on the end of the window and we haven't signed anyone yet um, is, is Phil Jones at Manchester United once you know a really highly touted player at this point's kind of had some injury I don't think he's featured for them for almost two years now um, there's been talk that he's going to be available on a free but but he would you know kind of demand higher wages than than some of the other targets just based on what he's making currently so. 
Um, he'd be the kind of the discount signing, but, but, you know, Moyes has done well with some of those before, you know, Dawson really Dawson was a fairy really resurrected Dawson's career. Um, same, same for Lingard, really a player we thought didn't have it, but, you know, coming from a big club, but hadn't really featured uh, Moyes got the best out of him. And so, you know, with Moyes having spent time at United, obviously he might be more comfortable bringing in a player from there with and you know could could turn you know a decent bit of business if we get him for a, a very cheap price yeah and a, i would say short-term contract because like you said he's t- a short-term fix right he's yeah. 30 years old he's not uh, he's has suffered from injury we do need a center back to because right now like we already mentioned we have we're very very thin so yeah we'll see what happens i mean I really hope we get one of these younger players. If we got one of these younger players, then to me, you pay a little bit higher wage now or a higher price now for them. And then you're set for a very long time. You know, yeah. I mean, probably until Arbonne retires, which you've got a lot of the years left in him. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you definitely want to plan for the future. I think that's kind of what we, you know, you can't, if you only buy a player with two years left, then you're just going to be back on the market in two more years. Where if you buy a player that's, 23, 24, you might get eight or nine years out of them. And so paying, paying twice the price for him is still a better deal than paying for the, you know, the 30 something year old. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of, kind of based on that logic, let's maybe talk about just the goalkeeper transfer, but bringing in Areola uh, loan with an option to buy is only about 28 or so seems to have, you know, seems to be a really good keeper despite Fulham going down was probably their best player uh, last year. I was going to say, watching some of their games, he is the reason they didn't get – I mean, they got crushed, but it was, I would say, not his fault that they got down. You know, yeah. it, it, he was a standout player on a team that was um, suffering. And I think that says a lot, especially when you're the goalkeeper, getting a ton of goals scored because you don't have a defense. The fact that he stood out there really, really impressed me. And and I, I mean, I had known his – I knew his name before – um, you know, before we even started talking about transfers. So the fact that I, I'm extremely happy about this signing, yeah. really, really excited. I think he, you know, I, I'm a big Fabianski fan. I thought Fabianski wasn't quite as good as he usually was this past year. Um, but even, you know, I, I think Ariola walks into the team as the, the first choice keeper. I, I, I think Fab will get a lot of play time, you know, especially in the cup games. But it's tough for me to tough for me to see him being better than Ariel will be, uh, at least if, if his last season form was anything of, of note for Fulham. I tell you what, that's pretty exciting because Fabianski has not a ton of years left. We knew we were going to have to look for a new keeper soon. Um, we could have gotten by this season, but I think this is a really really smart signing and. The fact that he can come on and walk on the first day and, and compete for Fabianski's spot when Fabianski's been pretty solid for us. Yeah. Um, I would argue Fabianski would do definitely well enough within the Europa League. So Fabianski's a good keeper. And the fact that this guy, this new signing, can walk on and, and pretty much yeah come into the starting spot or very much compete for it is very exciting. So uh, young, really young player. Uh, he's been on loan quite a bit in the past what seven years or something yeah. uh, since he started his career but uh, i guess that's like six years but um yeah 
I, I see. So if you look back to our transfer, I mean, Suchek, right? Suchek, Bowen, Lingard was a transfer. Suv Hall. I mean, Moyes has made some really, really good signings. And this, I think, is, is another one that is, will, is and will pay off. It's another one of those, yeah, where he's going to be, especially at the keeper position where you can play until your mid-30s easily. He'll be a, a player, hopefully, that, that'll be at West Ham for several years to come. Yep. So kind of the, the last position we, we feel like we need, you know, might not be quite, quite as critical of a need, but, but you know, definitely having lost a couple of players from last season uh, will be one is, is the attacking midfield spot. So we will... Um, obviously Lingard was on loan last year, went back to his parent club. He's one of our targets. Um, but then we also lost, uh, Felipe Anderson, who was on loan last year, um, who, who was a, a West Ham player, but on loan somewhere else, sold him permanently in the summer. What, who are you most excited about out of our targets for the attacking midfield? So, so that's a really good question. And it's a good question. I, I really don't think we're going to sign anyone. Um, I was really excited for Jesse Lingard. He was a very good player for us. He was our top target or probably, yeah, our top target for a while. It really doesn't seem like we're going to sign him. I was most excited for him, especially because we saw the product that he was and we saw that he integrated with the team. Well, Um, just as a note, uh, kind of personal note, he didn't make, the England team, but I was really impressed just from what I saw on social media and some of the interviews he did with how he reacted, that he was still going to support the team. He was still going to try for that England spot. Like, I think he handled that really well. And to me, that is the type of character that I want. Right. So we, we saw him at West Ham. And so he was my favorite going in. Um, now that it's looking like we're not going to get him, gosh, uh, <clears throat> I, I really, I don't really have an answer. Do you, uh, do you have a, a favorite? Cause I really don't think we're going to sign an attacking mid this. Yeah, I think we need to just based on, especially if we're hoping Bowen to cover striker at all this season, we're going to need another one. What Lingard provided to us was so great last year, just electric nine goals, four assists, really just carried us through several games. Um, I, I, at the end of the season, I thought, man, there's like a 90% chance he's going to be on a permanent. Me too. He was loving the team. The team was loving him. Didn't seem like Manchester United wanted him, but then their manager just got in his ear and said, Oh no, we want you. And it seems like he believes them. I don't know why though, because they signed Sancho. Obviously that plays a very similar, if not same position. There's not, there wasn't room for him before. Now there's even more players at United that, that are going to challenge for those spots. I don't know why Lingard would think his future is there. You know, he, he would be, he's going to be an every week player if he comes here. He's going to get next to no playing time there. It just baffles me. To, to me, when they signed Sancho and they th- there was so much money in that transfer. Yeah. I mean, they to clubs like that can just throw money that we can't, you know? And so anyways, side note, um, but when the, they signed him to me, that would have sealed the fate, you know, now maybe there's something we don't know, but that was a big tell uh, in my opinion, the manager can tell you all you want. You can believe him all you want, but when you see him signing other players uh, to me, that's a, yeah, that was big. Yeah. One. So, um, so you, see, it's interesting because 
Fornalis has really been on form, right? And I think this is going to be a really big breakout season for him. We saw steady improvement last season, scored a goal at the end. Yeah. So happy, you know, and then we've got Bowen. Uh, we, we do have some up and coming young players. I don't see them making their way into the team. So you, you do yeah, think well, we will Holland, sign someone? Holland went on loan. I mean, if you look at our starting 11, we're fine. But the problem yep. is you don't just have 11 players throughout a season. Right. You know, we, if, you know, if we had Antonio Stryker, Fornells, Benrama, and Bowen as the attacking midfield three, that's a great lineup. You can't play, you can't expect those people to play for 38 games plus, you know, let's say 10 Europa games plus five or six, seven cup games. Like, that's just not going to happen. I think we need to sign someone. Hopefully, it'll be Lingard. Um, if not, it, and it's looking less and less likely, we've been linked to Matthias Pereira, West Brom a lot. You know, they got relegated, but not because of him. He was, he was really strong for them last season 11 goals, six assists three years younger than Lingard. So that's, that's a positive. Um, only 25 probably could get him for less just based on both wages and transfer fee, him being um, them being a relegated team uh, and, and kind of potentially being forced to get rid of a few players. Um, plays typically more on the wing, but can kind of operate as a, as a number 10 as well against us. He was electric. I mean, he was there, there by really their only threat when they played us. So I think he'd be a good signing. There's been a lot of links over the past couple of weeks. And I think he'd fit in well, you know, he kind of give us four good players to play through those three attacking midfield positions throughout the season. Uh, quick question. Do you remember seeing us linked with Triore? Cause I feel like we were uh, for a while and then that kind of fizzled out, but uh, I, I, I kind of remember. Yeah, we were. I think at this point he's gotten just too too much attention from big clubs. Yeah. Or if he left Wolves, first off it'd be for a too rich for our blood. I think I I don't see him going for less than forty million, and I don't think we'd cough that up for him. Yeah. Like even more than that potentially, and and also you know he'd been linked to large enough teams that that I don't think West Ham. You know, even though we finished well above them last season, Wolves had over the past three or four years before that finished above the finished above us. So it would be, even from his perspective, I don't see why I'd make that kind of a, a same level move. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I just hadn't heard about it recently, you know, and I was, I was actually pretty, I mean, if he came, I would be pretty excited. Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's one of the most entertaining players to watch. Just yes. That combat, that physicality, how many people he likes to take on, just you know, doesn't score a ton, but you never know. I mean, he could with with all the success has Moyes has converting pacey wingers into strikers. Oh, if 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 Moyes put him as, as up top, it could be really fun to watch. It, it could be, and you know, the I must say, someone that impressed me in England, which I did not think would, uh, was Grealish, and I actually would would love to have Grealish on the team because he was, I thought he played really, really well for England. Yeah. I, we haven't been linked to him at all. That's not, yeah. you know, not transfer <laughs> news at all, but I'm just saying like he, I think he would really, he would put service into the box and that's what we need, you know? So anyways, I just well, wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. I, I mean, for, for the part of the season that Lingard was, was part of our team, I thought he was as good as Grealish. 
you know, Grealish did great yeah. in 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 Europe or in the, you know, as an England Europe. player. Yeah. But yeah, man, Lingard was electric for a while there too. So yeah. Um, is there anyone anyone else other positions? Uh, really, from what I've seen, is yeah, we're focusing on strikers and center backs. Um, like you mentioned, we we've come out with a few attacking mid uh, options, but it, it pretty, I really think from what I'm just seeing on the wide array of, of people that we've been linked to, we'll sign a center back. I think we will sign a striker. We've we, got I to sign. We a striker. Absolutely. We'll sign it. There's, there's no way we cannot sign a striker. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. I, but... I mean, the Sullivan, <laughs> yeah, David Sullivan proved me wrong. I'm sure. But <laughs> If we don't sign a striker, I, oof. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've been linked to a couple of players, but it's hard to tell what's, what's just noise and what's actually real. I think we've covered most of the players that, that have a serious chance of yeah. joining West Ham, um, at least in the, in the, in the positions of need. And I just want to throw out there, we've, we've added a lot of youth players that kind of went under the radar early on. You know, Aquaflex, Nevers. Uh, we just, I think we just signed a keeper from Rangers. Maybe had one or two more youth players from, from relatively well rated teams um, over the early part of the summer. And I'm, I'm excited to see that, you know, building, you know, adding more depth to the youth academy, players that might be, you know, one or two years away from contributing, but, but can really, you know, spend maybe a million pounds or, or less on a player like that. And then they can end up being a player that replaces a, a first teamer in, in, in the years to come. So, well, and so we just put Holland on loan and that actually was uh, pretty telling, I think in, in my opinion, because he was a young player who was on loan. Sure. We were trying to get him experience, but now he's kind of getting to the point where we, you know, this was a good opportunity for him to get in the first team. And the fact that we loaned him out again uh, and he went back to Oxford. It's, I don't know. I just, I don't see a future from if we're loaning him out consistently, just like we are. I was a little disappointed in, in, in that move from our, I mean, it just, yeah, I think I agree with you. It kind of signals that maybe we, his we don't see his future is here. Right. Uh, he's injury prone. He is injury prone, but you know, I'd like to give him an actual run of games around the first team. Just because he he seems to always produce as the at the under twenty threes produced well when he was on loan, looked a decent player in the in the preseason. You know, didn't wow me in in some of the preseason games, but but there there were some flashes there. So, yeah. um, one last question for you, Chris, before we uh, we close out. Do you think letting Anderson go was the right move? Oh boy, because um, and and we were weak at that position now. Um, he, we did loan him out last season, but we were kind of hoping for like a redemption season. We got him on a really high fee before, and it seems like we pretty much released him. I don't want to, it's not for free, but pretty much for Basically. free. Yeah. So what, what did you think of that? What was your like impression? Well, I, first off, like we, so we basically got a, a tiny fee and then we'll get a percentage of any future sale. But the problem with that type of move is, is when you add in a like a percent of future sale clause, it decreases the likelihood that they will be sold in the future. Like, let's go back to, the, to when we talked about the stadium. The fact that in the agreement, if David Sullivan sells before 2023, he has to pay a fine. But yes, if he sells the 
if he sells the team, then the council makes money because of that. But because they have that clause, it's less likely that that will happen. Same thing. Like we, yes, we'll get, you know, 20% of whatever they sell him for, but knowing that they're only going to get to keep 80% makes it less likely that they'll sell him. So we probably won't get anything from that. Um, which yeah. is disappointing. So that that just frustrated me a little. Not to, not to get really any fee for him. Um, yeah, we get his wages off the books, which were pretty high. But I'm not like certain we're gonna fill that with anyone. You know, if we can't even get Lingard back, and if we're still not even sure about Pereira, it you know, if it's what allows us to get one of them, yes, then it was a good move. But if it's just going to be oh, like Hilaire where we sold Hilaire and you know didn't replace him until well later, it's going to be bad because we need the depth. Yeah, and I think at the start of the transfer window, if you had said, should we let him go, I would probably agree just because he hasn't produced a whole lot. However, now that we're at the end of the transfer window, we're looking and we're like, you know, all right, guys, like we need to be signing someone. So I, I'm getting a little nervous now and I'm kind of wishing we still had Anderson. However, yeah, there's a point where it's like, you know, he wasn't really producing and maybe we if, if this is what causes us to get into our player, then yeah, obviously it's worth it. So, but also in a healthier team environment that we have now with a person like Moyes that can seem to motivate, you know, Ben, ben Rama didn't really look like he gave a ton of effort when he first came, but by the end of the season and, and then, you know, in the preseason from now, he's given a ton of effort. Like he's a completely has a completely different energy level. Um, I think, you know, Moyes potentially could have done something like that. Now, maybe Moyes looked at him and just thought that that Anderson didn't have that mentality in him, and that's possible. If that's the case, it's whatever. But, you know, I still think it would have been, you know, maybe we'll save like three or four million in total because of this Anderson move. I would have rather have had the option of him being around the team and be something good. Yeah, and I, I think really what it came down to was Moyes was like, look, we're not going to play him, you know? And so they're like, all right, let's just get him off the books then. And, and in that sense, sure. Like, you know, it is a good move because you don't want to be paying his wages when you know, you're not going to use them. And, th- and that's the only way I can really justify that is yeah. that he always knew he wasn't going to play him. So, yeah. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts, Chris? It's been a, like I said, it's been a busy transfer window. We've, you know, thank goodness we got at least one signing. We do need more though. And I think this next, I would argue, what, two weeks or, you know, is, is going to be really interesting as a West Ham fan. Yeah, I, I think we need, for this to be a successful window, we need to get either a really good striker like Abraham and a really good center back like either Zuma or Milinkovic, or we need to get, you know, kind of fill both those positions adequately and then still maybe like add an attacking mid. Um, otherwise, I'd, I'd be a little disappointed with this window as a whole, just based on having the chance to push forward, be a true contender in the Europa League, be another a contender in the Premier League to get in a European spot again, and just build on, you know, put a team around Rice that that can compete at the next level. It, it's there for the taking. We just have to, we need to, you know, they need to give the money to Moyes. Moyes needs to, to get in good players. And, and I think we could really be a dangerous team. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, what do we have coming up on the horizon in terms of episodes and uh, before the season at the start of the season, what, what kinds of things are on the radar for us? Yeah, we're looking. So it's been, it's been a little while since we've done an episode. 
um, school starting up for me, you know, I know you've have work kind of keeping you busy uh, in the future. We're hoping to get one more episode before the season starts before the Newcastle game. That'll be kind of a, a recap of, you know, the, the transfer window at that point, also kind of a look forward. We'll maybe give some predictions on, on individual players and the team as a whole, how we think people will perform. Uh, and then from then on out, you know, kind of once the season starts, we'll be trying to do get, you know, episodes roughly every game, maybe every other game, uh, kind of in our traditional format of, of recapping the, the prior game or games, talking about any topical issues related to West Ham, especially with if, the, if this takeover bid business, you know, kind of carries into the season, that might be a, something we talk about a lot. Also, the um, just kind of looking forward to the next game. And, you know, not going to say too much now, but kind of talking to some other uh, West Ham groups might try and get some some more people on the pod or do some collaboration episodes. So, you know, not not certain on what all is um, in the future, but, you know, if always like to, to hear hear from listeners, if you have any suggestions, things you want us to talk about. You know, if you, heck, if you want to come on the pod for a few, you know, for a short recap of a game or something, we'd be down for that as well. Love to love to meet more West Ham fans, get to know the broader community. So um, at a minimum, we'll be doing basically what we did last season, but also, have, you know, kind of some excitement for some potential new things that, that we're uh, looking forward to. So Yeah, that, that's probably my favorite part of doing this podcast and, and, uh, having this is like you mentioned the interaction with the fans, but also I, I feel like we do really um, we're trying to become more even personal with that. And like you mentioned, having guests come on or um, interacting with other podcasts and stuff. I, I think that's something that's, that's pretty special uh, about this one. And that's probably my favorite part of it. Um, love West Ham, you know, love following the team, but I think the fan interaction is, is a lot of fun. So, yeah. and it's, it feels nice to be, you know, ever since we've we started this podcast, it just makes it feel a little bit more a part of the West Ham family, especially you know being geographically distant from from the team, but but being able to connect you know a little more deeply, it's been nice. Yeah, geographically distant, but our hearts are right there. Yes. So, yeah. Um, well, if you're not doing this already, uh, please follow us on Twitter. We've uh, got quite an active account, and then. Um, also on SoundCloud and uh, really anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Obviously, if you found a podcast you're listening to us, uh, just please click that subscribe button. That really does help us. Um, and, you know, if you've got any questions, we'd love to answer them either then or we'll answer them on the podcast. Occasionally, we'll do uh, calls for questions before we record. So um, as we mentioned before, that's one of our favorite things is interacting with people, answering questions. You know, we'll host polls every now and then and uh, get some good feedback from that. So uh, yeah, just I would encourage you to to please interact with us and uh, and and subscribe and follow. All right, Chris. Well, let's uh, let's hope we get a couple more signings in before our next episode. But uh, in the meantime, come on, you irons! Come on, you irons!